Much of our show today is about history and history's role in the stories that are important to us. Charlie Allison, the executive editor of University Relations at the University of Arkansas, continues his survey of the first 150 years of the University of Arkansas with the story of an Arkansas pioneer. Wiley Branton climbed into the rear seat of the car. In the front seats were Harold Flowers, an attorney for the NAACP, and Jaleef Grice, a photographer for the Arkansas State Press. It was February and cold outside. Branton looked out the back window of the car and could see Silas Hunt, standing tall but solitary in his winter coat outside the house of Labe and Bailey Joyner. The car motored south on Willow Avenue and the image of Hunt receded from view and then disappeared altogether as they headed down a hill, south toward home, toward places they knew, toward Pine Bluff. Silas, though, remained in a place new to him without friends or family in a world about to start changing because of the actions he had taken the day before. He had enrolled in the University of Arkansas School of Law, becoming the first African-American student to break the Southern color barrier in education. Six years before Thurgood Marshall won the Brown versus Board of Education case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court. Seven years before Rosa Parks took her seat on a Montgomery, Alabama bus. Nine years before the Little Rock desegregation crisis. There was Silas Hunt, standing in Fayetteville, about to embark upon a law degree at a white university. I say white, but the truth is that the university allowed students of color to enroll, just not students of one particular color. The University of Arkansas allowed Native American students, Asian students, Latina and Latino students, international students, just no students from the black community. The long process of the university's desegregation, both before and after Silas Hunt, did not stand so neatly erect as did Hunt himself. The university began serving African-American students in a very limited capacity in the 1930s by providing educational programs through its General Extension Office, offering classwork in Central, Southern, and Eastern Arkansas, but not at the Fayetteville campus. Black students hadn't enrolled since 1873, the days of Reconstruction. In 1938, Edward Lewis Jacko Jr. of Little Rock submitted an application to the University of Arkansas. The School of Law turned down the application, ostensibly because his undergraduate degree was from an unaccredited institution, Talladega College. Jacko instead got a law degree from the storied Howard University and ended up being counsel for the NAACP chapter in New York City and representing Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali, among others. In 1946, Clifford Davis sought admission to the University of Arkansas School of Law. At the time, he was taking law classes at Howard University, but he believed the University of Arkansas would be less expensive. His application, too, was turned down. He was told that his admission materials were incomplete, but that if he returned a full application, he would be considered. However, the Dean of Law, Robert A. Leffler, also let Davis know that the post-war boom in student applications might prevent his acceptance. Davis did not resubmit a full application that year, but he said he was not deterred and planned to reapply. Leffler had followed race-related law cases in surrounding states, the Gaines case in Missouri, and similar lawsuits being pursued in Texas and Oklahoma by African-American students who were denied admission to universities based solely on race. Leffler advised the new University of Arkansas president, Lewis Webster Jones, and the Board of Trustees to allow admission or to expect a lawsuit, and very likely a successful lawsuit. The state constitutions in both Texas and Oklahoma specified that segregation be maintained in their higher educational systems. But Leffler knew of nothing in the Arkansas Constitution that prevented admission of black students to the University of Arkansas. So Leffler offered a solution to the administrators that proposed to allow admission of black students to the School of Law, but which would internally segregate them from white students. The plan would also allow admission to the graduate school, but not the undergraduate programs. 
Desegregation within the campus would happen in steps, slowly, in hopes that such a method would dampen any protests by whites in the state and avoid lawsuits. In January 1948, Clifford Davis let reporters know that he planned to reapply to the University of Arkansas School of Law for the spring semester. President Jones called the chair of the U of A Board of Trustees, Herbert Thomas, with the news about Davis. The members of the board had talked informally in 1946 and 1947 about the likelihood that they would face a vote on integration at some point, and Thomas wrote many years later that the board members weighed the desire to provide proper educational opportunities for every Arkansan against what he described as the, quote, potentially perilous implications, close quote, that racial desegregation might create. Thomas continued saying, quote, feelings were intense in many areas of the state. Although we recognized that Arkansas would have to attempt a solution of the problem of Negro education, most of us felt that any move toward racial integration in the schools, even in the colleges and university, would have to proceed slowly and with caution, close quote. The trustees had anticipated meeting for a decision on the plan, but a snowstorm prevented them from convening in person. Instead, Thomas called each of his fellow trustees to ask their stances on integration. The board members gave Thomas their tacit approval to allow Davis to enroll if his application was in order and his academic credentials were sufficient. Thomas said he recalled that two or three of the trustees, quote, could not bring themselves to vote for admission of a black student, but they also told him neither would they defy the court orders that had been issued in cases in other states. Near the end of January, the university announced in the state newspapers that it would allow admission of African-American students to the School of Law, although the announcement also said they would be taught in separate classrooms. The announcement of segregated classes caused Clifford Davis to reject admission, but word soon arrived that two more students, Silas Herbert Hunt and Wiley Branton, planned to seek admission. Silas Hunt grew up in Ashdown and Texarkana, where he attended Booker T. Washington High School. He was president of the student council, a member of the debate team, and graduated in 1941 as the class salutatorian. He enrolled at Arkansas Agricultural, Mechanical, and Normal College, the present-day University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, but his studies were cut short by World War II. He enlisted in the U.S. Army in the fall of 1942 and was assigned to an engineering combat battalion. The battalion was one of many trained to destroy enemy strongpoints, repair roads, and build bridges for the Allied invasion of Europe. When the invasion itself came, it moved fast enough forward that it put a strain on supply lines, and numerous black soldiers, including Hunt, were reassigned to drive supply trucks, an operation known as the Red Ball Express. Sometime during the chaotic Battle of the Bulge, Hunt was apparently wounded and left for dead in the winter snows on the battlefield of the Ardennes. After a couple of days, though, he was discovered alive and he was transported to an English hospital where he recovered. Hunt was awarded a Bronze Star and honorably discharged in 1946, and he then returned to Arkansas AMNN College, where he graduated in late 1947. He applied to the Indiana University School of Law and was accepted for admission, but the actions of a former classmate, Ada Lois Sipuel, caused him to reconsider. Sipuel had applied to the All-White University of Oklahoma College of Law in 1946, but she was turned down explicitly because of her race, so she sued OU. Her case came before the U.S. Supreme Court in early 1948, and the court ruled in her favor on January 12th. The case had an immediate effect on Hunt. Instead of Indiana, he sought admission to the University of Arkansas on February 2nd, 1948. In addition, Wiley Branton also sought admission to the Undergraduate Business College. Branton had been supporting his family by starting a taxi business in Pine Bluff and taking the few undergraduate business courses offered by Arkansas AM&N. But those courses couldn't compete with everything offered by the U of A's full College of Business. 
A small crowd of university students gathered outside the law building while Hunt, Branton, Attorney Flowers, and photographer Grice were inside. But no reports of protest were noted. Branton even recalled that a few students reproached their group to shake hands and wish them well. The student newspaper also covered the event and published an extra edition that day, including an article relating student views about Hunt's enrollment, the larger proportion of which supported his enrollment. Dean Leffler reviewed Hunt's academic record and admitted him to the School of Law. Branton was refused undergraduate admission due to the offerings available at Arkansas AM&N. Branton accepted the decision without liking it, and he returned to the university two years later to pursue his law degree. Hunt's enrollment began the long and arduous desegregation of education across the South and within the University of Arkansas. When he started his law courses, Hunt was required to take them in a separate room downstairs from the rest of the white students. He had to use a separate restroom and seek permission from a secretary whenever he wanted to use it. He wasn't allowed in the law library but had to request that law books be sent to him. He couldn't live on campus or eat at campus dining halls, but rather had to walk a mile and a half and bring a lunch with him from the Joyner home where he boarded in Fayetteville's black community. Nevertheless, in April, the Arkansas State Press, a newspaper of the black community, reported hearing from Hunt, and he wasn't complaining about his life. The State Press story said of Silas Hunt, quote, It won't be long before the Arkansas Negro will have a leader to pull him from under the oppression of white supremacists, adding that, quote, Mr. Hunt advises the Negro to get off his knees and fight for racial equality. Tragically, a little more than two months later, Hunt suffered a hemorrhage of one of his lungs, apparently caused by tuberculosis. He was treated initially at the Veterans Hospital in Fayetteville, but had to withdraw from classes before the fall semester began, and was moved to the Veterans Hospital at Springfield, Missouri, where he died in April 1949. His legacy, of course, was the continued desegregation of education across the South, and the eventual desegregation of the University of Arkansas in particular. He didn't live to see that progress, but his actions in early 1948 continued to reverberate on campus. Today, the university's Office of Admissions is based in a building named for Silas Herbert Hunt. The university established a Silas H. Hunt Legacy Award, which recognizes African-American faculty and alumni who have made significant contributions to the community, state, and nation. And on the 60th anniversary of his enrollment in 2008, the university awarded a law degree posthumously to Silas Herbert Hunt. With any luck, the visage of Silas Hunt will not recede today or tomorrow, or for another 150 years and counting. Charlie Allison is the executive editor of University Relations at the University of Arkansas, and each Wednesday he provides stories and history of the U of A's first 150 years. You can find out more about the university's sesquicentennial at 150.uark.edu.